Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Dylan Holman and joining me is seasoned trader Henry Ward, who has over 10 years experience in the markets. Hello, everyone. How are you? Podcast has a simple format, which will see us talking about the top three financial stories in the news. This week, we're discussing Disney, Palantir and Zoom. First things first, though, Henry, how's your week been? Oh, my week has been red, red, white. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a red day across the board. Well, the last three or four days, we've had the indices down. We've had crypto down. It's thank Elon Musk and thank just the normal correction in the indices market. So stocks have been down. So (laughs) I mean, we've been talking about the likelihood of this happening for a while now. You know, it can't only go in one direction. So there was always going to be a little pullback. But how big that pullback is, I guess, is what everyone's debating at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So just to just to put it in the context, the word crash, I absolutely hate it um, because the market corrects all the time. So technically, once the market drops more than 30%, it is statistically classed as a crash. Anything above 30% is classed as a correction or a pullback. So let's see how far how far this correction happens. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because uh, I can now start going shopping when I, I expect it to hit the bottom. Well, that's it. Most topics we talk about, you go, I'm not going to get in at the moment because we're talking about it because it's topical and that means that it's gone up a lot in value. I'm going to wait for a pullback. Well, potentially there's a lot of opportunity then at the moment. Let's crack on with today's topics with Disney being the first one. So this is um, obviously a very, very well-known company, but they are hitting the headlines at the moment as they've recently launched Disney Plus, which we've talked about on a previous podcast. Now that's the second biggest streaming service behind Netflix. So that's on one side of their business, which is doing absolutely amazing. Then on the other side, they've got their theme parks, which was traditionally where they made their money, which obviously due to COVID has had a really hard time with things with a number of their parks obviously being shut. So how has this been reflected in their share price over the last year? Well, as you know, Disney has been one of those um, stocks that historically continue risen. Uh, it's consistently gone up. So it's something that has been on been on my radar sort of since day one. Now, Disney Plus was launched on the 12th of November 2019. And on the 13th, on the open of the market, uh, the, the stock actually jumped uh, 10%. But from there, the stock slowly depreciated. It, that, was, that was sort of the high in 2019. And we saw a decrease for the first three months of 2020 and then i had a, obviously I had a drop of the of the pandemic so uh, from there it dropped 49 percent for us down to 79 dollars but since then we've had a meteoric rise since then and it's now at a record of 193 dollars from 79 up to 93 that's a pretty that's a pretty big run the the only thing that they have changed is disney plus yeah so let's look a little bit deeper into disney plus so if you look at the numbers for the streaming service, I mean, it's pretty impressive stuff. You know, they've got 86.8 million subscribers as of December. Um, and then when you put that on top of some of their other streaming services that they own, such as ESPN+, Hulu, Hotstar and others, that takes it to over 130 million subscribers, which is incredible. 
Yeah, so this year Disney Plus is, is looking to expand into like sort of Eastern European, South Korea, Hong Kong, and sort of markets. Now, to compare, the company now expects to hit anywhere between uh, to have 230 million to 260 million Disney Plus subscribers um, by 2024. Now, that's up from their original estimation. Okay, their original estimation was between 60 million and 90 million. So that so that is that is a huge huge jump, and then globally they're looking to have an estimation of three hundred million to three hundred fifty million. Now compare that to Netflix, which Netflix has one hundred ninety five million subscribers. So if in twenty twenty four, if um, the likes of Disney Plus hit the targets they expect, they will be double what Netflix is right now. And it's in such a short period of time. As I said, I remember talking about the initial launch of this. It wasn't that long ago. Um, so this is obviously a huge growth area for the company. As I said before, one of their kind of previous main revenue drivers was the theme parks. Now, they've been closed for a long time. And then in September, they had to axe 28,000 theme park jobs. But... You know, Bojo did come out yesterday and kind of have a timeline of getting things back to normal with that potentially being in sort of Q3 onwards. So things are looking up on the theme park side. So what sort of effect would yesterday's announcement have had on their share price? Well, see... Not a, not a whole lot, or maybe huge. It depends on the depends on which side of the coin that you fall on. If you're looking at something as the the streaming service, you could go, well, kids are not at home anymore. So let's be honest, the the big attraction for Disney Plus is the kids, and then slowly adults well, are gone. I've got a few people I know who might argue against <laughs> that. Yeah, but 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 Disney is Disney is slowly then people are when when the kids are using it, they have a subscription service. They're now looking at it and going, oh, actually, it's it, it's it's actually pretty decent as well. So there's some really really good stuff on there as well. So that's the that's the the, the streaming service stuff. Will will people now because they're not at home? fall off the subscription service but then you have the likes of the theme parks so obviously two of the theme parks are closed and then two of them are open so and um, but they're not they're not running at sort of full capacity now if we look at the theme parks so and um, the Walt Disney Company generates approximately 20.3 billion US dollars from their theme parks now that that those numbers came from 2018 revenue numbers so look that was that was when we were back in full throw we were actually continuing doing what we're doing we were able to go on holiday I remember um, someone said to me um, not so long ago BC do you know what BC stands for before coronavirus oh. so <laughs> so it's now it's now bc so before coronavirus they were they were making 20.3 billion on their team parks now if you add that to what they're now have done on the likes of subscription service it is something that i am quite excited about once we were let back out in the world once this pandemic has moved on once we're back to sort of some sort of normality we'd expect those numbers to get close to it and then eventually surpass that again Deep diving into their revenues um, from 2020, you know, they were actually only down 6% for the year at $65.4 billion. And uh, one of the good things that they are actually able to cash flow was up over 100% to $3.6 billion. Yeah. So considering it was, you know, a pretty bad year for parts of their business, they were able to come out the other end pretty good shape. 
Yeah, they had they had they had the streaming service already in in play. They 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 didn't massively roll it out as of yet, but the pandemic has just hit them exactly when their business model had already evolved, and it was just literally press press go uh, when when the pandemic hit. And then as quickly as people could sign up, they were they were they were rolling out to people. So it was it was literally when. Uh, it's you know when it's better it's better to be lucky than good does that make sense and and at this point the pandemic massively helps um disney and it's just been a match made in heaven between the two so far okay well let's move on to topic two then which is palantir so this is a big data company which was founded by a number of kind of the big names of tech including peter thiel um who you may know as the co-founder of paypal so it's actually another stock that we've talked about before, thinking about it, but their stock yeah. price had a big drop over the last month, going from $45 to $24. Now, they've obviously recently IPO'd. And so do you feel that this is a correction or that the hype has just kind of faded a little bit around them? Well, there's there's a couple of, a couple of things going on here. So one one we have the hype of the of the IPO, and it is I'm not someone who generally jumps in on IPOs. I wait for the market to correct, and then and um, what we generally find is the market actually drops below the IPO price. Now this one this one hasn't dropped below the IPO price, but we've had we've had a forty percent drop off over the last uh, what month. Now the earnings wasn't received uh, as well as expected. And it's just one of these things that we we have to keep we have to keep a, an eye on. Do we think this is a long term trade, or are we looking for this short term? Now, one of the big things that has has arisen from doing a little bit of analysis on Palantir is that there there is eight hedge funds involved in it. Now, four of the hedge funds are actually shorting it, and the other four are actually longing it at the moment. So, generally in stocks, you don't you don't see that split down the middle. You generally see a majority long, and then uh, uh, the, the the minority shorting. But literally on this one, we actually are split down the middle with four hedge funds long, four short. So, there's a lot of indecision of where this company is going. Yeah, absolutely. There there is a little bit of that indecision. People are unsure. They're not they're not optimistic, and some are massively optimistic. I mean, the company's been known as um, one that kind of burns through cash, hasn't it? And their company's earnings report still showed the company posting negative earnings per share of eight cents. Doesn't sound that great. No, it, it doesn't. Then, but again, you look at Tesla. Tesla is one of the fifth biggest companies in the world. But if you look at the revenue, the revenue was was absolutely minuscule compared to the companies it's sitting at at the table with. So. As we as we know in investing, it is not always about what you're earning now. It's what you think it's going to be earning in five years' time. What do you think the company is going to be doing a little bit for your 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 investing in its future rather than what it's what it's doing right now? But if you look a little bit deeper into it, and the revenue earnings is it, it tell you a little bit different story. Whereas if we look at 2020, the full year, it actually grew. The revenue grew by 47 percent. Which which okay, was a that pretty, sounds more encouraging. Yeah, which is which is a, a pretty a pretty big jump now, and it, its top twenty customers um, increased by their revenue increased by thirty four percent as well. So it means that yes, they're they're bringing in new clients. The clients that they have are actually spending more money. So as a business sense, they're doing particularly well. But yes, they do burn through a lot of cash. They're not they're not afraid to spend it. Uh, and I suppose that one way ways of doing it is you have to spend it to accumulate it, don't you? Money yeah, follows. That's, that happens in a number of industries, doesn't it? Where 
you know, you have to spend cash initially in order to get long-term growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So talking of that, what, what is next for the company? The two big projects that sort of caught the eye in the events this week was Force Palantir have um, a contract with BP, so the New York Stock Exchange BP, to assist their net zero emissions initiative. So Palantir founder system is to help the company optimize their, their platform, including wind farm, electrical charging systems and solar power generators. Now, Palantir also has a similar contract with Pacific Gas and Electricity. So the New York PCG um, to optimize its electrical grid. Now, both of these, both of these um, contracts sound very, very similar to the contract that Texas will have to actually come up with or the initiative they will have to implement very, very shortly. So this could be the likes of Palantir's next client uh, it, because Texas have, have been put under pressure to actually start doing the same thing and bring down the carbon footprint and, and just make the, it, it just much, much greener. Okay, so there certainly seems to be a lot going on with the company. And so even though their share price has had a bit of a dip, there is opportunity still there. Yeah, so it's where people looking at Palantir were at value at $45. Well, they're now at $25. There's there's huge value in it. So it depends on it depends on that. So it then comes back down to what are your long-term prospects for the likes of Palantir? Are you someone who is who's who's bullish on this? Or you think that someone at this look, they cannot sustain what they're doing, they're burning money. No, it's unsustainable. If that's the case, then you stay away from this stock. But if you think that this stock will start generating money, it will start carrying on with its government contracts and go on from strength to strength, then you buy and hold. Perfect. All right. Well, topic three then is Zoom. Now, Zoom were kind of almost like one of the darlings of 2020, weren't they? The fact that they loaded into life when things turned for the worse and we all started working from home. Their stock price just shot up almost to the moon. It was so big. <laughs> And so what's happened since? Yeah, so in, from the beginning of 2020, so uh, sorry, the end of 2020 to the beginning of 2020 or 21, it's been a little bit of a different story. Zoom, um, which was the poster child yeah, of the work from home and um, just hasn't really done well. Now, if we look at the beginning of 2020, their, their, their stock was at $68. Now, if we go to the high of 2020, it went up to $587, which is a 760% return, which is a phenomenal rise in a year. But if we look at it a little more closely, the stock has now decreased since November down to $330. So this is a 42% decrease. Can, can anyone tell me why um, that, that drop happened? I think probably people have started using the free service and not paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the big, the big one was was the vaccine. That's when that's yeah, when Astra, that's when Pfizer come out with their with their announcement that they had a, a, a vaccine that was ninety four point nine percent successful, and then from there people have have looked at it and go, look, this is overvalued. So based on that, then that there was such a big impact when the COVID got announced. Sorry, the COVID vaccine got announced. Obviously, as I've just mentioned, Bojo has uh, put a returning back to normality uh, timeline together. And so surely tougher times are to be had for Zoom once people are back in offices, probably Q3, Q4 of this year. See, this this is where it, it becomes a little bit interesting. So you could you could theoretically say the same about Netflix. You should say the same about Disney, uh, any of these subscription service, because uh, Zoom is a subscription service. Now, 
when we go back to the office, are we going back to the office now full time? Are, are our people going to continue work from home? So yes, you will have a drop off rate. But now Zoom's business model will have to change from trying to acquire new customers to now trying to service the old customers and retention. That will be their, that will be their biggest, biggest goal. So yes, acquisition is still something they will aim for, but retention has to be the, has to be the main goal. And if, and if we look at this quarter, so the earnings are, I think, coming out on the 6th of next month, so we're, we're not too far away. So Zoom's forecast is $885 million versus the analyst uh, estimation of $730 million. Now, there's a big difference between those two numbers now zoom has expected earnings per share of 75 cents whereas the guidance from the estimate is a 66 percent so there's a huge discrepancy between what the analysts expect and what what zoom expect if it comes out or they're closer what zoom expect i expect this stock to um, take off for the next two or three months if we're closer to what analysts expect this could have a sort of a meandering or continuously slowly going down. So this is a stock that I have and I will wait till the, I'll wait for another two weeks till the earnings report come out to make my decision on whether um, to keep holding of it or whether to get rid of it. That's their biggest, biggest thing now is trying to tension on the customers that are already here and then going from there. And that, that's their, that's their main goal this year. Yeah, they're big differences, aren't they? Of what, as you say, Zoom are expecting versus the analysts. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. What about competitors? There seems to be a lot more competition in this space now. You know, for, for kind of meetings, I now get everything from Microsoft Teams to Google Chats to a number of others. So how have the competitors fared? Well, see, it, it depends on, it depends. You, you've mentioned Meet, you've mentioned Google, you've mentioned Zoom. I, I actually like Skype. I, I much rather do Skype, it. Yeah, than, well, yeah, that's one I've not heard about for a long time. Yeah, I much rather do them on Skype because it, it's, it's, I don't have to mess around with recordings or anything because they're already in your inbox. And so it, there's loads of them out there. And a lot of these competitors have done well, but nowhere near the likes of Zoom because Zoom is, is specialized in this area, whereas the likes of Microsoft, the likes of Google, they're huge companies. It's just it's just another revenue stream for them, whereas for Zoom, it's specialized. This is their main and only revenue stream. Great. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Before we close it up, is there anything else that people should be keeping an eye on? Yeah. Going into the market, have a look around, find out when or when you expect the market to turn. And this is not a point where we should be trading CFDs. This is a point where we should be looking to buy underlying assets when we're buying stocks, whether it's cryptocurrency, if we're expecting Bitcoin to come back to 40K or 42,500, where is the last where's the last level, um, whether it's we're looking for the NASDAQ to come back down another 2 or 3% before it hits the horizontal levels, is have a look around, see what's value is out there, and also be looking at the likes of the China 30 as well, because there's massive value in there, and we've had a, a pretty big correction on that as well. So make sure you're doing your due diligence, but I don't really want to see people jumping in as under our CFDs, because unfortunately, we can't time the bottom perfectly. So when we have a big correction like this, you buy underlying assets. And then when it starts trending upwards, then we can start sniping in and out with our CFD entries. And if you want to hear more about the markets and learning about entry points and CFDs versus underlying assets, Henry has a weekly webinar, which you can find by going onto Google and typing in the Toro Trading School. We hope you all enjoyed listening to the podcast and we will be back next week. 
See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.